The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. If you want to go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 17, you can. But as you're turning there, a couple of things I want you to make you aware of. Next week... Uh, Next Sunday, we're beginning a brand new series called Like Never Before. In fact, we've got some uh, invite cards out there on the table. I want to encourage you to grab some of those. You know, this is a time of the year when people are kind of making plans for what their new 2019 is going to look like. And so this is a great opportunity for you to invite people to church and say, hey, if you're looking for a church, you're looking for something new, maybe you should come check out my church. So we've got these for you. Grab a handful of those, stick them in your purse, stick them in your wallet, your back pocket. These are back pocket size, so you can, guys, you can put them in your back pocket and have them there with you. Uh, But grab some of those and just have them available to you. But the series is going to be about kind of positioning ourselves to experience some of the things God has for us. That, that we believe this, that 2019 can be a year like never before if we will make spiritual investments like never before. Is it, you, got, you guys track it with me? And so what we're going to talk about in this series is some of those things that you can begin to do, some of the mindsets and, 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 and the, the faith that you need to set yourself up for so that you can step into fully what we believe God wants to do in your life in 2019. That's going to be really good. And then on, on Monday, January 7th, we're going to start a 21 days of prayer and fasting. And uh, it's going to end on Sunday the 27th with a worship night that night, which I'm so excited to see what God does that night. I think there's going to be this incredible crescendo of everything kind of coming to a head that night. Uh, but but we, would, we want to invite you to be a part of this fast with us. And in fact, we've, we've got some resources for you. If you go to newsongpeople.com slash 21 days, we actually have 21 days of devotionals for you to follow along with us. One for every day. Uh, there's worship music on there, there's a devotional, there's prayer points, so that we as a church can kind of all be on the same page as we go through these 21 days. And, uh, and so that's what really, what I want, really what I want to talk to you about today is, is, is fasting. I want to help you kind of understand what, what we're talking about when we're talking about prayer and fasting. And, uh, and I want to try to simplify this for you and make it easy. Now, I'm going to just be real honest with you. This is a very teaching message. So get your notes out this morning. Grab a pen. If you don't have a pen, find one and, uh, and write some notes down because I, I want to really teach you what this looks like. Because I remember years ago, uh, I was at a church. This is before New Song. This is before we were at Gateway. But we were at this church. And they were starting off the year with the 21 days of prayer and fasting, and we kind of felt pressured to do it, me and Sarah did, but we didn't really know what it was about or what we were really doing. Even though I'd grown up in church, I'd never really understood fasting. And so uh, we entered into the fast, and uh, about two weeks into it, we were just kind of mad. Because, you know, when people start messing with your food, it can aggravate you, right? Like, we don't like that. We don't, you, you ever experienced this before? Guys, I bet you can relate to me. You're going through the drive-thru. You ask your wife what she wants. I don't want anything. I'm just going to eat a little bit of yours. Am I the only guy that like, I'm like, no, 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 no. That's not good. We're not going to do that. What's mine is mine. Like in our marriage, we share stuff, but not our food. And there's a reason. Like think back to the beginning, Adam and Eve. What happened when food was shared? Good point, right? So we don't share food. You get your own. I'll pay the extra money to get you your own. 
we don't like people messing with our food. I'm gonna let you know this morning, I'm gonna mess with your food a little bit today, so just get yourself ready. Turn to the person beside you and say, he's gonna mess with my food. But, it, but it's for a good reason, because God wants to do something in your life that's gonna be incredible. And so what happened to us is we didn't understand it, so we just found ourselves frustrated, aggravated, and we didn't, we didn't finish the fast. But I also remember a few years later, having a greater revelation of what fasting was all about and going through a season of prayer and fasting. And I remember getting to the end of it. I remember having this conversation with Sarah where I was like, I don't want this to end. Like, I feel like I'm so close to God. I feel like I'm hearing God so well and being led. And And I'll be honest with you, during that time of prayer and fasting, God spoke to me things about this church. I believe there were things birthed in that season of prayer and fasting that year that made this church happen. And as I've been looking at this upcoming year, I believe that there's some things that God wants to birth in your life and in this church that are gonna be game changers for us and game changers for our city and our, for our families and for our marriages and for the world around us. Can, can I get an amen on that? So Matthew chapter uh, 17 we're just a few days away from a new year. And as I think about a new year, I can't help but think of it like a new, bunch of new opportunities, really. In fact, the other day I got my, my new calendar. I get this calendar every year called the, the Studio Heinrichs Typography Calendar. If you're a graphic designer, you, you kind of know what this is. But it's a calendar, and on it it has these fonts, and it's, it's a real pretty calendar, and I love it, and it's big, and it's a wall calendar, and I get it every year. And I love looking through it. But what I love is right now it's just clean. Like there's nothing in it. And it's just full of all these spaces and these opportunities. And, and, and so this time of year what we do is we look at our year and it's just full of opportunity, isn't it? Opportunity for something new. And so what happens is we get to this point of the year and we go, okay, what do I want this year to look like? Like what, what can I do differently? And so this is where this whole, you know, New Year's resolution thing comes from, where we start going, okay, this is what I want to change. And this is, I want to do the right things, not just some things. I want to do what God's calling me to do. I want to, I want to be a better father, a better husband, a better, a better follower of God, a better son of Jesus Christ and of the Father God. I want to be better. But, but if we're not careful, what can happen is we, we, we come up with these resolutions, but if your life has looked like mine has in the past, we have these resolutions and we put them all down and then that year ends and we enter the next year and the same resolutions we had the year before are the resolutions we have in the upcoming year. You guys tracking with me? Maybe that's where some of you are today. Like we're going into 2019, you've got some resolutions, but some of the same resolutions you had last year. I want to lose that weight. I want to gain that muscle. I want to I want to stop doing that. I want to start doing that. I want to overcome that sin. And yet, we just find ourselves in this ongoing cycle. And so the question is, why, why is that? Why can't we seem to, to overcome? What's keeping us from that? And so Matthew 17, uh, Jesus kind of talks about this. We, we see in this story where this actually occurred and where Jesus kind of gives us a window into what can bring some breakthrough in areas of our life where maybe we're not experiencing it. Okay, so Matthew chapter 17, starting verse 14, it says this, when they came to the crowd, so this is talking about Jesus and his disciples, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. 
Verse 15, Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. Now, now check this out. So this guy obviously is having some problems, falling into the fire, falling into the water. Things are not going good. Look what it says in verse 16. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. Now, that's interesting because up to this point, Jesus has given his disciples authority and sent them out, and they've been going out and doing stuff for God, doing stuff for Jesus, laying hands on the sick, they're recovering, it's working until this. And now they lay hands on this, on this, this son, and they pray for him in Jesus' name, and it doesn't work. Now look at how Jesus responds, verse 17. You unbelieving, everybody say unbelieving. unbelieving. Say it like you mean it, say unbelieving. unbelieving. You unbelieving, everybody say this, perverse unbelieving and perverse generation like thanks Jesus like he just gets on to his guys here but he he says these two things he says you're unbelieving and you're perverse now hang on to that we'll come back to that how long shall I stay with you how long shall I put up with you bring the boy here to me verse 18 Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of the boy and he was healed at that moment okay so so here's, there, there's a problem here that I believe still exists to this day. Jesus speaks to this, these two things. He says, you're unbelieving and you're perverse. And I believe that this is one of the issues, these are two of the issues that keep us sometimes from some of the breakthrough, from some of the experiences and the life that God's called us to, is that we have these issues with being unbelieving and perverse. So, so, so how do we fix this? Well, it goes on to say this in verse 19. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not drive it out? In other words, Jesus, what are we doing wrong? Like, we, why did this not work for us? We, we know you said we're unbelieving and perverse, but help us understand that a little bit greater. And he said to them, because of the littleness of your faith or your, your unbelief, for truly I say to you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, that's a very small seed, You will say to this mountain, or that's just a metaphor for a problem or for an issue, or maybe it's for that resolution that you can't, you see, you keep coming back to every year that you can't seem to overcome. You'll say to this, this mountain, a mountain is a, is an image of something that is hard to move. It's, it's between you and where you want to go. You'll say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible to you. And then he says this, look at verse 21. But this kind, or this kind of problem, this kind of mountain, this kind of issue, does not go out except by, and he names two things, say them with me, prayer and fasting. Okay, so Jesus speaks to this, this issue that I think exists in the world that we deal with, which is, which is unbelief and, and this issue of being perverse. And then he gives us two solutions, which are prayer and and fasting. And what I want you to see this morning is that prayer and fasting solve the problems of being unbelieving and perverse. And here's why. Here's point number one. Prayer connects us to God. Prayer connects us to God. Uh, through prayer, we're able to have a closer, more intimate connection to God the Father, to, to who God is and all he has for us. See, here's the reality for me and you today. If you have an unbelieving problem, if you're struggling in an area of faith, it's because you have a connection problem with God. You're not connected with him like you should be. You're not seeing him the right way, and so you're not connected to his power. You're not connected to his wisdom. You're not connected to all he is, and so that's keeping you in this state of unbelief. It's hurting you. See, this is a truth for us when it comes to God, but this is also just a reality that we all live in when it comes to the things of this world. The more time I spend with something or someone worthy of confidence, 
the more confidence I have in that person or that thing. You, you guys track with me? We don't think about things that we have confidence in until they give us a reason not to think about them. You don't think about, you just have confidence in your water heater until it bursts, right? You, you just have confidence. You have confidence in your car until it, because it just works and it just does what it's supposed to do. There's just a confidence in it until it doesn't do what it's supposed to do. It's just true in our relationships. Typically, there, our relationships, we have a confidence in them until something happens that causes that confidence to be broken. Well, the things that we're connected to that are worthy of confidence help us to have confidence in them. Now, so here's what happens. When you're connected with God like you should be, you learn to have confidence in him, and you also learn that he's never going to let you down. Circumstances may let you down. It may not always work out the way you think it's going to work out, but God is not letting you down. God has always got a plan for you, and his plan for you is good. So, so as we pray, we connect with God and we're able to have more confidence in him. We grow in our confidence in him and who he is and what he wants to do in our life. And so prayer is so important. But here's, here's the nature of every human being in this room, myself included. We have seasons where we're really good at prayer and then we drift. We all do. And we need realignment. We have to come back to these places where we say, okay, I got to get myself realigned here. I got to, I, I do this. I'll have really great seasons where I'm praying and close to God, but then I begin to slowly but surely, as things get better, I slowly but surely kind of drift away from that. And then I have to realign myself once again. We all have to do this. And when I do, here's what happens. My faith is increased in the Lord. My faith is increased in what he wants to do in my life and who he is in my life and what he can, my, my vision grows. Everything begins to increase. Why? Because I'm connected with God. See, the, the problem with unbelief is it's a connection problem. And prayer connects you to God. And as you connect with God, your faith in God grows and unbelief goes away. But, but Jesus doesn't just say it's an unbelief problem. He also speaks to this issue of, it's an issue with being perverse. And he, and he talks about the solution, he says, is prayer and fasting. So here's what fasting is. Fasting disconnects us from the world. Prayer connects us with God. Fasting disconnects us from the world. And I, I think today this is an issue that we don't always understand really well. Like most people, not even Christians, but people understand what prayer is, but we don't always understand what fasting is. And because we don't understand it, we don't do it. We don't see its role in our life. We don't understand what it can do for us. And so we miss out on it. So, so real quick, let me tell you what fasting is not. Okay. So before I tell you what it is, let me tell you what it's, it's not. Fasting is not punishing yourself because uh, Jesus wants you to suffer. That's not what fasting is. Fasting is not like you doing stuff to try to twist God's arm, like you doing stuff to make yourself really bad so that God will look at you and go, okay, I guess they really mean it. I'll answer their prayer now. Like that's not what fasting is. I'll also say this, so you know, fasting is not a diet. This is not like, don't be approaching this as like, well, I need to lose some weight anyway. So no, 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 that's not fasting. Um, fasting is not a, a way that you can get God to love you more. Because he can't love you anymore. Because his love for you is already perfect. And when something is perfect, you can't add anything to it to make it better. And you can't subtract anything from it to make it better. It's already perfect. So, so fasting doesn't make God love you more. Fasting is not a way to, to pay for your sins or increase God's forgiveness in your life. Your sins have already been paid for at the cross. 
Jesus took all the sins of all mankind on him. And when you receive Jesus, your sins are forgiven. So fasting is not that. Here's what fasting is. Through fasting, God can disconnect us from the things of this world. And we can, through that, also connect with God in a greater way. Jesus says that we're, we're perverse. And here's what that means. You're too connected to the world. See, here's really what Jesus says. He says you're not connected where you should be and you're too connected where you shouldn't be. You're not connected to me like you should be and you're too connected to the things of this world. And so what's happening is you're so connected in this world that it's, it's polluting you. And it's diluting your influence. It's diluting the power that, that I want you to experience and walk in. And so, and so it's not just an issue of unbelief. It's an issue of being perverse. And so that's why we're doing these 21 days of prayer and fasting. It's because we want you to experience and step into some of the stuff God has for you. And, and, and we're calling you. In fact, I'm, I'm, I'm encouraging you to participate in this with us. I'm inviting you into it. Because like we're doing this series, we believe this can be a year like never before if you'll position yourself to experience what God has for you like never before. See, here's how it works. I, I believe God has some things in store for you this year that are amazing. I do, because I see that in Scripture. I believe that God wants to do some stuff through our church that's just going to be amazing. I believe that I'm praying. We, you know, the church has doubled every year. I want it to double again. In order for that to happen, guys, some stuff's got to happen this year. We can't double in this building. Something's got to give. We, we've got to see God move in some different areas. There's got to be some, some change that takes place in order for that to happen. And, and I want that. I believe that God wants that. I know many of you want that. But listen, just because I want it, just because you want it, listen, just because God wants it, doesn't mean it's going to take place. It takes place because we position ourselves in agreement with the word, which is the will of God, so that we can receive everything God has for us. And that's one of the things that fasting allows us to do. It positions us. So, so let, me, let me kind of give you a basis for fasting. You guys, you guys following along with me? I know I'm giving you a lot this morning. I'd encourage you to go back and listen to this message on podcast a couple of times. I believe God wants to speak to you through it today. But, but understand this about fasting. Here's number one. Fasting is expected. Fasting is expected. Fasting is something that is expected of a New Testament Christian believer, follower of Jesus Christ. It's expected of the church. Look at this with me. This is Matthew 9. Uh, this is John's disciples, John the Baptist. His disciples are coming to, to Jesus and they're asking Jesus, this question, why aren't you guys fasting? And I used to use this verse as like, well, Jesus said we didn't have to fast, but that's really not what it says, okay? Let me, let me show this to you. They're asking, why aren't you guys fasting like we are? Verse 15, Jesus answered, how can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? In other words, he's the bridegroom. He's saying, we're, we're not doing this right now, but look at what he says. The time will come. The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them then they will fast. So what Jesus is saying here, there's a time that this is going to take place. That time is after I'm no longer here on the earth in bodily form, which is now. He says, then they will fast. This is Jesus endorsing fasting as being a part of the discipline of a New Testament Christian believer. And then we see this all throughout the New Testament over and over again. In fact, look, look at Acts chapter 13 with me. Acts chapter 13 verse 2 says this, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting. Everybody say fasting. I know I'm talking about your food, but say it like I mean it, fasting. Fasting, 
The church was fasting. Look at this. The Holy Spirit said, so God's talking to them, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So God is speaking to the New Testament church, giving them wisdom, giving them direction as they're fasting. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. And listen, this was a big move right here. When they sent them off, they sent them off to, be, to bring the message of Jesus Christ to the Gentile world, which, by the way, is us. So this was a big, important move, and it, it came from a season where these people were praying and fasting and seeking the Lord on the direction for where the, what the church needed to do and where it needed to go. Uh, Paul himself endorsed fasting. 2 Corinthians uh, 11, verse 27, he says this, In weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, look at this, in fastings often. Notice this was a regular part of, of, the, of the life and the discipline of what Paul was doing. Look at this with me, Matthew 6, verse 16. This is Jesus talking, okay? And I'll set this up for you, but let me read this first part. He says, moreover, when you fast, and notice he doesn't say if you fast, did he? Did he, church? No, he says when you fast. Now, this comes on the heels, what he's saying here comes on the heels of him talking to his disciples. He's talking to them about prayer. And his disciples come to him and they say, hey, Jesus teaches how to pray. And he says, all right, when you pray, not if you pray, when you pray, pray like this. And then he gives them the model prayer. Right after that, he says, moreover, or also, when you fast. So they come to him talking about prayer. And Jesus says, okay, here's how you pray, but also do this when you fast. And look at what it goes on to say here. When you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to be men to men to be fasting. Assuredly I say to you they have their reward. Now real, real quick, let me stop here. Jesus is saying here, when you're in a season of fasting, the world around you doesn't need to know about it. That's not the point. This isn't a competition. This isn't who can be the best Christian and who can do the best fast. That's not what this is about. And if you do that, understand this, that's all you're going to get out of it. What little, what little pleasure you get from people knowing you're suffering, that's all you're going to get from it. That's what Jesus says. So keep it to yourself. What God, this is between you and God. He says this, verse 17, but you, notice here it, again, here it is again, when you fast, notice again, it's when, not if, Anoint your head and wash your face. In other words, look good. Turn the person aside and say, you need to be looking good during the fast. <laughs> so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your Father who is in the secret place. This is between you and God. This is a secret between you and God. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. What I want you to see here is Jesus says, moreover, when you fast. Fasting, just like prayer is expected of a Christian, Fasting is expected of a Christian New Testament believer. But here's, here's, here's the good part. The, the part that he says at the very end of this verse, he says, when you fast, your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. See, here's, here's one of the things that happens when you fast. Fasting delivers rewards. And it's a reward that comes directly from the father, directly from God. There's some, there's some reward that God wants to bring into your life as you consecrate yourself and commit to God and commit to, to connecting with him and disconnecting from the wor world in a greater way. Okay, so let's talk about this a little bit more so you understand how this works. So remember we started by talking about the issue, the problem is a problem of unbelief and perverseness, right? 
So what Jesus is saying is you're, you're connected, you're too connected to the wrong stuff, you're not connected to me like you should be. And so here's how fasting works. You gotta understand this about yourself. First of all, you are a triune being. Meaning there are three parts to you. You are a spirit, soul, and body. You're the only part of creation that exists on this world that is made in the image of God like that. Nothing else is like that. There are some parts of creation that have one part. They just have a body. Like for example, a tree. A tree is just a body. A tree does not have a spirit. A tree does not have a soul. I don't care what Saul Silverstein said in The Giving Tree. Like you read that book and it's like, oh my gosh, we've got to save the trees. It's not true, okay? They don't have a spirit, they don't have a soul. Some parts of God's creation have two parts. Like animals have two parts. They have a soul and they have a body. If you have a pet, you know this. Like pets, when they're happy, tail wags. When they're sad, tail tucks. I was thinking about this this morning. We used to have this dog, we first got married, named Nora. And uh, if she ever did anything wrong, like she knew, she would, like, this dog had the spirit of condemnation on her like I have never seen before. <laughs> so if she ever did anything wrong, you, you wouldn't even know what she did. You'd just be walking through the house and you'd find her over in a corner, like just looking at you like, oh my gosh, you're not going to, oh, oh no. And I swear, every time we'd come home, she was like, you, like, you've seen these dogs just shaking and like, oh, we didn't beat her or anything. Like, I don't know what her problem was, but just condemnation would come on her for the mistakes that she had made. Dogs can be emotional, but a dog doesn't have a spirit. You say, Pastor Josh, are you saying dogs can't go to heaven? I don't know, okay? I really don't. I know cats don't go to heaven, but I don't really know about dogs. <laughs> but I do know this, you have a spirit, you are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. And every one of those parts of you is affected by times of prayer and fasting. Now let me, let me show you how this works. Okay, let me understand, show you how your body works. Our body connects us to ourself. That's how your body works. Our bodies connect us to ourself. Your body keeps you self-aware, self-conscious. Uh, you're self-connected through your body. You, you're connected to your pain through your body. You're connected to hunger through your body. You have appetites in your body. You have lusts and greed. That's all in your body. And, and the tendency that we have, if we're not careful, is we become self-centered. Where we allow our body to lead us. And, and so fasting, what it does is it allows us to put the right things in the right order. In fact, Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 9, 27. He says, but I, look at this with me. He says, but I buffet my body. Now, real quick, the proper pronunciation of that third word is buffet, not buffet. <laughs> There's a couple of men in here that were just like, pastor said we can buffet our body during the fast. We're going to the Golden Corral every day. It's going to be awesome. No, no, no. No, no, no. Buffett is quite the opposite of that. In fact, Buffett actually means, uh, it means to handle roughly, to discipline it by hardships. That's not exactly what we do. With, I guess you can do that at the buffet if you're really into it, but not typically what we do. I buffet, I buffet my body and, and subdue it. And this is important for us because understand this. The Bible tells us that our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Not your mind, your body. And so you need to bring your, your body into submission. 
And one of the things fasting does is it allows us to do that. It helps us to step out from being self-centered, from being selfish, and, 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 and to not just focus on ourselves. So, so we fast and because our body is connected, connects us to ourselves. It helps us to put things in the proper order. Here's the second thing. Our soul, soul is another part of you, connects us to others. So your body connects you to yourself, but your soul connects you to others. Now, your soul is made up of your mind, will, and your emotions. And if you think about it, like most of the time in your relationships and with people, it's very much uh, what, what goes on in our relationships is affected on a soul level. Like we're, um, anybody relate to this? Relationships can cause emotional stress in your life, right? Because we're connect, we connect through that, that avenue. And so if we're not careful, there are, there are some relationships and, and things like that where we get so focused on what other people may think, what other people may say, we allow that to lead our life. And through, our, through this soul desire to be accepted by others, and we, we allow ourselves to be driven off in a different direction than what God really wants us to experience, because relationships can play on our emotions. And so maybe that's where you find yourself today. Maybe relationships are kind of pulling you in different directions, and you need to, maybe you need to make some changes as you fast. There's some things that you need to pull away from. Maybe you need to pull away from some relationships and, and there's some people in your life that you say, hey, I'm gonna be in a time of prayer and fasting. I'm gonna disconnect for a little bit. Maybe it's social media that you need to kind of pull away from, that you need to abstain from. Now notice, I said abstain from social media, not fast social media. Because I'm gonna let you in on a little something that I don't think a lot of people understand. You can't fast social media. You can't fast TV. Because the biblical definition for fasting involves food, it's food, okay? Let me show you this. Fasting, by the biblical definition, is a willing abstinence or reduction from some or all food, drink, or both for a period of time. So according to the Bible, you can't fast social media. You can't fast TV. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't do those things. I'm not saying that you shouldn't pull away from some of those things as you do. There may be some things that you're finding pleasure and confidence in that you need to pull away from so that you can connect with God. In fact, Paul talks about this. Look at this with me. This is 1 Corinthians 7 verse 5. Paul says this, abstaining for sex is permissible for a period of time if you both agree to it. Some of the men just woke up again. <laughs> what? Whoa. Huh? (laughs) Now, hold on. Let me finish this, okay? Abstaining from sex is permissible for a period of time if you both agree to it. So there's got to be a two-way agreement. And I ain't agreeing to that. Amen? (laughs) But look at this. And, notice this. And if if it's for the purpose of, here it is, prayer and fasting. But only. Everybody say Only. For such times, then come back together again. Notice how it ends here. Satan has an ingenious way of tempting us when we least expect it. Listen, I'm not telling you to abstain from sex during the fast. In fact, I'm going to encourage you to, if you're married, if you're married, to have more sex during the fast. Amen. That's all. Let me try that again. Have sex more during the fast. Amen. Amen. Wow, you guys must not be as good at this as. <clears throat> Anyways, sometimes stuff comes out and I just don't know, okay? Uh, But, in in fact, I'll say this. As a pastor who counsels people, one of the problems I see a lot in relationship issues is people aren't 
married couples are not having enough sex together. And they're allowing themselves to, to have these abs, abs, abstinences that are caused by work and busy schedules and things like that that are pulling them away. And it's hurting them. And what the Bible says here is that Satan has an ingenious way of tempting us when we least expect it. It's a big deal. I'm not telling you don't have sex. I'm telling you there may be some pleasures and some things in your life that you have some confidence in that may be a good idea to abstain from some of those things as you're seeking to connect in a greater way with God and to disconnect from the things of this world. You guys follow me? But, but I also want you to understand, on a soul level, I, I don't want to disregard how important fasting food is to you at a soul level. Because your soul is very tied to food. I would argue that we love food as much on a soul level as we do in our body. Some people love food. Some people are emotional eaters. We've probably heard of that before. Like you get really sad and you drown your sorrows in a gallon of, of cookie two-step. That's a good ice cream, by the way. Or, or you're really happy. You got a promotion. So we got to celebrate. We got to go get some pie or we got to go get a dozen Krispy Kreme donuts. Like... We, we find ourselves kind of finding a little bit of confidence and self-assurance and either drowning our sorrows or, or celebrating with, with food because we're tied to food at a soul level. So understand the power that can take place in, within you on a soul level when you fast food. Okay, so our, our soul connects us to others. Our, our body connects us to ourselves. But here's the third one. Our spirit connects us to God. Okay, so here's how it works. There's three parts of you, spirit, soul, body. One of those parts of you is leading right now. It's the strongest. And it's not just leading, it's actually dominating the other two. Because that's the way it works. Whichever one of those is the strongest, it's dominating the other two. So if it's your, your soul, if your emotions are in charge, it will kill your spirit and cause you to become careless with your body. Where your emotions control, you, you disregard the things of God. You quit caring about yourself. You eat emotionally, not, not concerned about what it's doing to you physically. In fact, people can get so down in the dumps emotionally that what do they do? They, they commit suicide. They take their very life. And they end their life physically here on earth and step into some form of eternity. Because they're allowing themselves to be controlled. Or that part is the strongest and is controlling their life. If you're, when your body's in charge, it doesn't matter what you know to be true. It doesn't matter what you know the word of God may say. You just, if it feels good, you're gonna do it. You wanna satisfy this urge or this desire that's within your body. So you're gonna have sex with who you wanna have sex with. You're gonna eat what you wanna eat. You may know what's wrong. You may know what the word of God says about it. You may, see, you may feel bad about it later, but you don't care about that right now. You're living in the moment and all you care about is, is satisfying this physical urge that you have. Some of you are living there. I've lived there before. So, so here's what happens. But when your spirit is in charge, and this is really, I, I love Romans chapter 8. If you, if you want some good reading this, this week, read Romans chapter 8. Because Romans chapter 8, Paul talks about this idea of, of the person who is controlled by the spirit, or the person who puts the spirit in control of their life, is not controlled by the lust of the flesh. That when you, or you prioritize things right, then, then your spirit controls and dominates the other two. And that's where we want to put ourselves. So, so here's what happens. When you fast, you get a twofer. 
You weaken your soul and your body and you strengthen your spirit. You prioritize your life in the right, in the right order. James 4 verse 7 says it like this. It says, therefore, submit to God. So we're talking about submitting to God really is what we're talking about when we talk about fasting. Submitting to God's ways. Not your mind's ways, not your body's ways. God's ways. Submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Verse 8, draw near to God. That's what really this is all about. We want to draw near to God. We're, we're wanting to connect with God in a greater way. So we're going to disconnect from some of the things of the world so we can connect with God in a greater way. And look at what it says. When you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. See this in your mind. As you take a step towards the Father, he takes a step towards you. And the more steps you're taking towards him, the closer you become with him. That's why when I was fasting years, that, that, that one year, I, and I found myself at the end going, I don't want this to end because I felt so close to God. I felt like he was just right there. God wants to be close to you. Verse 10, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. And say this with me, and he will lift you up. Say it again, he will lift you up. When, when you fast, you're humbling yourself. You're, you're humbling yourself to, to God's ways. You're, you're, you're really, you're physically weakening yourself so that you can be strengthened by the strength of God. That's what fasting helps you to do. Now look at this. This is Ezra 8, 21. It, it talks about this very thing when it comes to fasting. It says, Then I proclaimed a fast there at the river of, of Ahava that we might. So here's the purpose of this fast. Humble ourselves before God. So fasting humbles us, and humbling ourselves, we just read, empowers God to lift us up. Now watch what these guys were fasting for. To seek from him, from God, the right way for us and our little ones and our possessions. I think that's three good things to fast for, isn't it? We fasting, we're, we, we can spend some time saying, Lord, what's, what's your will? What's your desire for, for me, for my little ones, and for the possessions of my life? Verse 23, so we fasted and entreated our God for this. And watch this, he answered our prayers. One of the main focuses of, of fasting is humbling yourself so you can draw near to God so that he can bring strength in your life. Because what does the Bible say? It says, when you humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, he will he'll lift you up. He'll bring strength to you. Where you are, what does the Bible say? Where you are weak, he is strong. When you, when you put yourself in a you physically put yourself in a place of weakness, God's able to bring a new level of strength into your life. I'm telling you, church, I, I truly believe as I've been praying and studying this stuff, I've been so encouraged. It's amazing when you start to study this, how often in the Bible you see that through seasons of fasting, God did incredible things. It's amazing as I've, 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 I've heard messages and looked at other pastors and talked to other pastors, the things that God has done to them for them and for their churches through seasons of fasting. I'm telling you, I believe that, that we are right on the edge of God doing something amazing in our life if we'll just be willing to be obedient and take that step and position ourselves within his will in a greater way and pursue him like never before. Maybe you've never done anything like this before. Maybe that's why you're not seeing the breakthrough in some of those areas of your life that God wants to bring to you. Maybe there's a mountain that God wants to move, but this mountain's only gonna be removed through prayer and fasting. So how does this work? Real practical, let me give you three real quick practical ways to do this. Number one is set an objective. In other words, what do you wanna see take place through the fast? Where, where do you need a breakthrough? 
How can you get closer to God? Where, where do you need to disconnect from some stuff and connect with God? Where, where do you look at yourself and you say, maybe I'm a little unbelieving there. I'm a little perverse here. How can I, how can I, how can I fix this stuff? And, and so here's what you do. You need to go to the Lord and ask him about this. Say, I'm not going to give you the answer to this because I don't have the answer for you. But there is someone who has the answer for you, and that's the Holy Spirit, who Jesus said is your helper, who will guide you into all truth and all knowledge. So you go to the Holy Spirit and you say, God, what, what do I need to change? What needs to change in my life? What do I, where, where do I need to, to disconnect? And here's how you'll know it's the Lord leading you, okay? God always leads you with conviction, not condemnation. God doesn't want to make you feel like my dog used to feel in the corner of the room. So, so here's the difference. Conviction moves you forward and, and has a future and a hope. Conviction moves you towards God. Condemnation moves you backwards. Condemnation feels like rejection. Condemnation feels like you gotta be further away from God. Condemnation is hopeless and feels like you're always gonna live here. So you go to the Lord and you say, God, what, what needs to change? And, and if what you're hearing and what you feel like God's saying to you is leading you towards a future and a hope, then that's the, the conviction of the Holy Spirit and that's what you need to do. So set an objective. Invite the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Ask God, write those things down. What you're believing for, what you're believing is gonna take place over the next 21 days. Set an objective. Here's number two. Decide what type of fast you're gonna do. Like you need to decide on a fast. And, and like I said earlier, a fast is food. So you need to, I, I'm gonna encourage everybody in our church, I'm encouraging you to do some kind of a food fast. Now, the tendency, if you're not careful, is, I know for me, as I've been studying this and looking at this and hearing stories of other pastors who have fasted and seeing things in the Bible that you kind of, if you're not careful, you get so excited and so full of faith of what God can do in it that you, you, you could overdo it. And so if you've never fasted food before, I'm not telling you, hey, the next 21 days, don't eat anything. Like, don't do that. That ain't gonna be good for you or anybody else. I'm asking you to invite the Holy Spirit once again to help you to understand what kind of fast you need to do. Here's what you can do on our website, newsongpeople.com slash 21 days. We've got some different kinds of fasts that you can do on there. There's different fasts where anything from a Daniel fast to different kinds of Daniel fasts to fasting sugar. There's all sorts of different fasts you can do, but, but read and study and look at some of those and then pray and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you and to lead you to the right fast for you for this season, for this year. So set an objective, uh, decide what type of fast you're gonna do. And then here's number three, and this is so important, expect results. Expect that there's gonna be some results. Expect that God is gonna do something incredible. Expect there to be blessings and rewards that come from you doing this. And I wanna show you three things from Isaiah 58 as we close. Three things that you can expect. This Isaiah 58 is all about fasting. And there's three thens in Isaiah 58 that speak to some of the things we can expect to take place during a fast. All right, verse, uh, Isaiah 58 verse eight says this. Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. New Song Church, I believe over the next 21 days, some of you are gonna experience the healing of God like never before. Healing in your emotions, healing from the past, healing from sin that you've been struggling with. Healing is going to take place 
physical healing is going to take place. I believe there's some of you that God's going to heal you in your body. Things that you've been struggling with, sicknesses, diseases, depression, the stuff that people have said is going to kill you. You're going to be healed of that in Jesus' name. You're going to experience the healing of God like never before. It goes on to say this, then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. It talks about the righteousness. What is righteousness? For some of you, this is what you're going to experience. You're going to experience the righteousness of God like never before. Righteousness is this right standing. That's, that's really what it is. And so here's how you work. Once again, because we live in a fallen world, because we have a sin nature, we have this thing within us called a sin conscience. And what it does is it causes sin to lead our life. Where sin is kind of, our sins are kind of before us. And so when we go to connect with God, we have a hard time connecting with God because we're looking at God or trying to look at God through the filter of the sins that we've committed. Well, I want to believe for that, but man, I, I shouldn't have looked at that on the internet. Or I want to believe for that, but I shouldn't have talked to my kids or my wife that way. And we're, the sin is just living in front of us and keeping us from being able to experience the faith. It, it makes us struggle with unbelief. But notice what it says. Then your righteousness will go before you. The right standing of God will go before you. Here's what will happen. You'll have a greater realization of the grace of God and the place that you have, not because of your performance, but because of the performance of Jesus Christ on the cross so that you're able to go in full faith and boldly approach the throne of grace and invite God to minister and move to you in whatever area you need God to move in. Some of you are gonna experience that. You're gonna come to a place where you understand how right with God you truly are, how holy you truly are because of the blood and power of the cross in your life. Here's the third thing. Then, verse 9, you will call and the Lord will answer. He's going to help you. You will cry for help and he will say, here am I. Man, that gives me goosebumps. God wants to help you. Some of you are going to experience, and I don't even know what it is, but you're going to experience the help of God like never before. You're going to see God's help come to you in areas where you've been weak. All of a sudden, you're going to be strong because the help of God is going to move in those areas. And here's what I believe. For some of you, there's a mountain you've been struggling with. And what Jesus is saying to you today is this only comes, only is removed by prayer and fasting. For some of you, what if the breakthrough you've been looking for is on the other side of a consecrated time with Jesus Christ? 21 days connecting with him and disconnecting from the things of this world. I think it's worth it. So I said earlier that when we fast, there's rewards, right? Here's the reward. You want to know what the reward is? More God. You draw near to him, he's going to draw near to you. You're going to have more a closer relationship with God than you've ever had before. You're going to experience a closeness like you've never, I'm telling you, I'm so pumped about that worship night coming up on the 27th. When all of us have been doing this for 21 days, I'm telling you, the roof is going to come off this place. It's going to be amazing. But I'm, I'm, I'm encouraging you, I'm challenging you, I'm inviting you to really do this, to take it seriously. I've gone through the motions before and I've gotten nothing out of it. But I've also taken it extremely serious and I've seen God move in incredible ways and give me new vision and direction. And I believe he's got that for you. 
So would you bow your heads and close your eyes this morning? And I'm gonna ask you this question that we ask every week at New Song Church, which is, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you in this message? Maybe you need strength in your will. Maybe you need more willpower. But God wants to bring that strength to you. As you weaken yourself, where you are weak, he becomes strong. You're gonna experience a strength in your will. You're gonna experience a strength in your mind. You'll be able to control your thoughts because God's gonna bring strength to your mind. You're gonna experience strength in your emotions. You're not gonna be an emotional roller coaster. You're gonna experience a new level of strength, God's strength. You're gonna experience strength in your body, physical strength within your body, strength to overcome sin, put to death the deeds of this body. You're gonna experience strength in your spirit. If you want that, if you need that, I'm gonna encourage you to press into God. Press into God and allow him to minister to you. Lord, we, we love you today. We're grateful for who you are. And I just pray over our church today as we move towards this season of prayer and fasting. I pray, Lord, that even right now you'd begin to speak to us, give us direction, give us wisdom, give us faith so we can position ourselves to experience all you have for us, Lord. We know you've got so much more. We're, we're, we're grateful for all that you've given us, Lord, but we know because you've given us so many good things that you've got even more for us. And so while we're satisfied, we're also not satisfied because we want more of you and what you have for this world. And we believe that through you, we can do incredible things in this world. So Lord, we love you. I pray for wisdom over our church. Speak to us clearly. Draw us near to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.